name is Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, all scripture this week comes from the Miss Tyler version, the MTV which is the Christian Standard Bible rephrase, so it's easier for kids to understand. This time of year, people all over the world are talking about baby Jesus, right? And of course, Jesus was a miracle baby. But even though he's absolutely the greatest miracle baby ever born in the history of, well, everything, he isn't the first miracle baby, but every single other miracle baby in the Bible points us closer and closer to Jesus in one way or another. According to the Bible, Isaac was a miracle, and so was his son Jacob, and Jacob's son Joseph, and Samson the strong man, Samuel the prophet, John the Baptist, and Jesus. For a grand total of seven miracle babies who all went on to do great things for God and for all of us. Of course, every baby is a miracle. But some babies are miracles because their births are just flat out and downright impossible. But they happened anyway. They happen because nothing is impossible for God and he loves to do things to just get our attention when he's about to do something wonderful. We'll be getting back to the story of Abram and Sarai next week, but this week we're going to take a sneak peek at the story of their son Isaac, when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. You know, when we adopted our twins, I was almost 32 and my husband was 34, and we thought we were going to die from being so tired. If I was 90, I definitely would have. Now we have already seen that Abram and Sarai have a terrible problem. Sarai can't have babies, and they're super old, even older than me. Without a son, they'll be in big trouble as they get really older, and so they're kind of depending on their nephew Lot to take care of them, but that's not going to work out. And then they try to adopt Eliezer of Damascus, one of the slaves born into their household, but then God puts a stop to that and says, Nope. Abram, you're going to have a kid, so stop trying to make all this work out by yourself. Seriously, man, I do not need your help because you will just mess it up. And then Abram and Sarai messed it up. But we'll talk about that another time. One day, three angels came to visit them, and as Abram was feeding them meat and curds and bread and milk, one of them told Abraham that when they would come back again next year, Sarah would have a baby. God had given them both new names at this point because it was part of his promise to make them parents. Well, just imagine, if you will, a 90-year-old lady in her tent making food for visitors and hearing that she was finally going to have a baby. She was laughing to herself and thinking like, oh yeah, sure, I couldn't even have a baby when I was young enough to have a baby, and so it's going to happen this year? Sure. Whatever, guys. Imagine her shock when God, who was speaking through the angel of the Lord, responded to what she was thinking in secret and asked why she was laughing. 
and why she didn't think God could make something like that happen. And she panicked and denied it, but God was like, oh yeah, you were totally laughing. And what's even more amazing is that God had appeared to Abraham a few days before that and told them that their son would be named Isaac, which actually means laughter. Isaac was the very first son of promise in the Bible, and he was born so that God would be able to say that he had made the nation of Israel out of absolutely nothing because Isaac shouldn't have even been born in real life, but with God all things are possible. But Isaac's wife, Rebecca, she couldn't have babies either. Not for 20 whole years. Isaac prayed and God finally remembered Rebecca and she became pregnant, not with one miracle baby, but with two. And like two other twin boys that I could mention, they were fighting like cats and dogs inside her. And she was like, well, what the heck is even going on here? Because she was a prophetess, which means somebody who received messages from God, she asked God what was happening with these kids. And he told her that she didn't just like have two babies inside her, but two babies who were so different that they would become entirely different nations. And that wouldn't really have been positive news. Plus, the younger one would actually be greater than the older one which is not how things used to work in the ancient world. Nope. Oldest brother gets to be the boss of everyone, but we're going to begin to see that even though humans cared about who the oldest one was, God pretty much never did. He would choose the youngest or the middle son all the time because he chooses who he wants to choose. Esau was born first before Jacob, but that doesn't mean that God had to choose him for the special job of being the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when Jacob grew up, he married a woman named Rachel. And she couldn't have any babies either, and things got pretty desperate. When she finally did have a baby, things got messy because they treated Joseph better than all of Jacob's other sons put together from his other wife, who were all a heck of a lot older. But even though his parents played favorites and made the other kids jealous and angry enough to want to kill him, Joseph really was very special and God helped him no matter what terrible things happened to him. His older brothers were grown-ups and threw him into a pit and they were going to either kill him or leave him for dead. And then some Ishmaelite traders just happened to pass by in the middle of nowhere and they sold Joseph to them to be a slave. And he went to Egypt and then Joseph ended up in jail when somebody lied about him. But then one day he ended up as the second in command of all of Egypt, the mightiest empire of all in those days. Joseph was the second most powerful man in the world. And God used him to save not only his own family when there was a terrible famine, but all of Egypt as well. Many hundreds of years later, there was another boy born to a childless couple in Israel, and his name was Samson. And although God used Samson to help the people of Israel against their enemies, that boy was a mess. And he was always doing the worst sorts of things. Samson was not a great example 
But when we look at his story, it can surprise us when God uses even people who are super messed up and disobedient, if that's what he wants to do. And Samson was incredibly strong, and God used him to get back at the Philistines for being so cruel to his people. Just think of what Samson could have accomplished if he hadn't been such a gooberhead, right? Samson is proof that God doesn't necessarily approve of people just because they're doing stuff for him and just because he chose them. One of my favorite miracle babies is the prophet Samuel. Mostly because I just love his mom, Hannah. But, you know, he also totally rocks. Samuel's mom was married to a guy who had two wives. And the other wife had a ton of kids. And she was really mean to Hannah who had been married for a long time, but had no kids at all. So not only was Hannah really sad, but the woman who had everything she wanted more than anything else in the world was constantly bullying her about it and saying the most terrible things. But that woman didn't know that it was God that was responsible for Hannah not having any babies, and not because he hated her. Hannah went to Shiloh during a festival, That's where the tabernacle was in those days. And she was praying so hard and so quietly that the high priest thought she wasn't quite in her right mind. And he yelled at her. But she'd been praying very quietly for a baby. And she had promised God that if he would give her a son, that she would dedicate him to God's service for his entire life. And that he would never cut his hair. When she told him that she was just praying, Eli asked God to give her what it was she was asking for. When Hannah had a baby, she sang a song to the Lord about how happy she was, and I bet her husband's other wife didn't really enjoy any of it or start dancing. Hannah kept her promise, and when Samuel was just a small boy, he lived in Shiloh, even sleeping in the holy place where the lamp of God was. God called out to Samuel one night, and Samuel thought it was the high priest Eli calling him. After Eli had told him to go back to bed several times, he realized that God was calling Samuel and told the young boy to answer, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel did as he was told, and that very night God made him a prophet and told him things about the future of Israel. The Bible tells us that everything Samuel said in the name of the Lord happened just as he said it would. God kept appearing at Shiloh to Samuel and that everyone knew that Samuel was a prophet who spoke faithfully everything that God told him to say. Samuel was the first person who God told about Saul becoming king and David too. He was the very last of the judges that God sent to Israel, and he served God all his life. But not only that, but unlike the other miracle babies, he has two books in the Bible named after him. But after Samuel, God didn't give the nation of Israel a miracle baby for a very long time. Israel had a lot of kings some good and some bad, and a lot of priests, some good and some bad, and a lot of prophets. But no more miracle babies given as a sign from God. 
Not for about a thousand years, actually, and that's a super long time to go without that kind of a special sign from God. But all that changed when the wicked Herod the Great was king over all of Israel, set over the Jews by the Romans to keep them in line. Herod was kind of Jewish. His grandfather had been forced to become a Jew along with all of the other people who lived in Edom. But the dude also killed three of his own kids and his favorite wife. I mean, dang. If that's how you treat your favorite wife, then what's going to happen to all the other ones? He had ten wives in all. And so they probably all went to sleep with one eye open, hoping he wouldn't kill them or their kids. The emperor of Rome was a man named Caesar Augustus, who was called the Son of God. Oh yeah, they went there. And they did that, and people said that he brought peace to the entire world, you know, by killing everyone who got in his way, and that he was the Savior, and that when he was born, it was good news to the entire world. Now, if you've ever read Luke chapter 2, where it talks about what the angels told the shepherds about Jesus, that's what the Romans said about their emperor, their king. Of course, God couldn't just let them do something like that, right? So, God made not one, but two miracle babies in one year. God really meant business and wanted to prove that he, and not Rome, was in charge of peace and good news for the world. So first, he sent his angel Gabriel to an old priest named Zechariah, who was serving at the temple and who had been chosen for the very special job of placing incense, which is like perfume, only it isn't a liquid. And he placed the incense on the golden altar inside the temple. It was such a special job that you were only allowed to do it once in your life, and they chose the people through kind of a lottery. But while he was in there, all of a sudden, a man in white appears beside the altar, and Zechariah just freaks out, like anyone would. And the man says, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has been listening and he has heard your prayers. So your wife, Elizabeth, is finally going to have a baby and you will name him John. He's going to be a prophet even before he's born. And he will be like Elijah because he's going to make people ready for the Lord. Now, instead of saying yes or finally or thank you, God, he actually asked for a sign to prove it, which is what, well, how can I know this, means. And Gabriel was not amused and replied, oh, and parents, just for your information, I'm taking a lot of liberties here (laughs) with the conversation. Maybe you missed it, but I'm Gabriel. The Gabriel from the book of Daniel, actually. Yeah, that, that Gabriel. I actually stand in the presence of God, and he sent me to tell you all of this. That's how you know and why this should have just been good news. So listen, because you asked me for a sign, you're not going to be able to talk about this to anyone until it's all a done deal, and you won't even be able to hear anyone asking you about it either. And so that was the last thing Zechariah heard until the day his son got named when he was eight days old. Gave him a long time to think about it, right? So he couldn't tell anyone what had happened, even though they figured that 
He must have had a vision from God while he was in the temple. But he went home, and then a miracle happened. Elizabeth, who is also very old, found out she was going to have a baby. And she hid herself away in her house for five whole months, not wanting anyone to know yet. And around that same time, God decided it was the perfect time to make his last and greatest miracle baby. So again, he sent Gabriel with the news to a young teenage girl who was engaged to be married. Would she ask for a sign? Or would she just be happy? Gabriel appeared to her and said, Hello, God is really happy with you and wants to do something amazing in your life. Don't be afraid of me. God sent me to tell you that you are going to have a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be the greatest man to live ever. And he will be called the son of God and he will be a king just like your ancestor David, except he will be a king forever. What did Mary say? She said, I don't understand how this is going to happen because I'm not married yet. Mary didn't ask for a sign. She was just curious. She was probably just 14 or 15 years old, but she gave a much better answer than Zechariah, who had been serving God forever and was a very righteous man. Gabriel must have liked her question because he answered it, and angels don't always answer questions in the Bible. He said that God was going to send his Holy Spirit and that she would have a baby who wasn't like any other baby ever born. Because that baby would come from the power of God. And he said, your relative, Elizabeth, right now she is six months pregnant, but she hasn't told anyone yet. See, God can do anything. Mary was excited and happy and said, I will do whatever God wants me to do. Let this happen just as you've promised. Gabriel left her and Mary traveled to see her relative Elizabeth in Judea. It was a long trip from Galilee, but she was very excited. And since Elizabeth was old and having a baby, and she was probably about the same age as me, she would need all the help she could get until a baby was born. It wouldn't have been hard to convince her parents to send her. After all, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous people, and they would take care of her while she was there. When Mary arrived at their home, she shouted a happy hello to Elizabeth, and the baby inside Elizabeth started jumping around. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God gave Elizabeth so many things to say to young Mary, who wasn't going to look like she was having her own baby for quite a few more months. You are the most blessed woman who has ever lived, and your child is the most blessed. I can't believe that the mother of my Lord has come to visit me. When I heard you say hello, this baby jumped inside me. You are so blessed that you believed everything God said he would do for you. And Mary, she started singing about how generous and merciful and wonderful God is to remember his people and to use her, even though she was just a nobody in the eyes of all the world, just a poor girl from a tiny village in Galilee. Mary stayed and helped Elizabeth until after she had her baby, which Elizabeth was probably thrilled about because Zechariah wasn't all that good for conversation anymore. But he was a good listener these days and never argued with her. When John was eight days old and another priest was performing his circumcision ceremony, 
All their friends and relatives tried to name the child Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, nope, his name is John. So they said to her, um, no, none of your relatives have John for a name, so you can't do that. And they tried to get Zechariah to change her mind by motioning to him and playing something like charades, I suppose. But Zechariah got a wax tablet and carved the words, no, his name is John. And as he showed them all the tablet, all of a sudden he could hear again and his mouth opened and he started speaking amazing words about his son, John, and all the things that God had planned for him. Everything, I guess, that he'd been wanting to say for nine long months, I suppose. He had a lot on his mind, for sure. He said things not only about his son, but also about Jesus. That the Messiah would come at last and save all of Israel. And that John would be God's prophet who would teach the people about how to get right with God. How to repent for their sins. So that when the Messiah came to them, the long-awaited king... And they'd been waiting almost 600 years for him, actually. That they would be ready for him. And everyone all over Israel heard of it. And they were asking one another, What kind of man will this child become? When Mary went home, it became obvious to her family and her fiancé Joseph that she was pregnant and he wasn't happy about it. He didn't understand what had happened and... After praying about it for a long time, he decided not to be married to her, but he didn't want to make trouble for her either. He was a very good man. And an angel of the Lord came to him and told him not to be worried about it, because Mary's baby was direct from God, and that Joseph was supposed to name him Jesus, which is Yeshua in Hebrew, which means God saves. Joseph was a righteous and wonderful man and married Mary right away and brought her home. But then a call came out from the government for everyone to travel to where their family owned land so they could all be counted. Ugh. They did this so that the Romans would know how much tax money they thought they deserved to get out of them. Mary was very pregnant. But the Romans didn't care. And she and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, the city of David near Jerusalem. No relatives would take them in, and so they were forced to spend the night where the animals were kept, and when Jesus was born, Mary wrapped him in cloths, just like all newborns had always been wrapped in, whether they were born in a palace or in a tent. But she laid him in a feeding trough, which wasn't exactly normal. As that was happening, there were shepherds out in the fields with their flocks, and it was nighttime. Suddenly, an angel appeared to them and told them about the birth of Jesus. And they were about blinded by God's glory shining all around them, which just made them so afraid. The very happy angel comforted them and said, Don't be afraid. Listen to me. I have come to tell you good news of great joy for all the peoples on earth. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And the angels all gathered and began to sing in celebration. Glory to God in the highest heaven. 
and peace on earth to the people he is showing his love and mercy to. The shepherds might have even said, Do you hear that? The angel of God said all those things about this baby that the Romans say about Caesar. But we know that there is no good news for us with Caesar as our king. Let's go straight to Bethlehem and find this child who was born around the animals and not in a palace in Jerusalem. And so they went and they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus, just as the angel said. And they told them everything that had happened. The Bible tells us that Mary stored everything they said in her heart and thought about it a lot. While the shepherds went back to their jobs, celebrating all the way back and praising God that the Messiah had finally arrived. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about all the miracle babies. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I hope you've learned a lot today about our God and how he just loves to make impossible things possible.